are, isn't it? If you don't mind, I'll just invite you to uh, turn to the scripture. Let's just stand. Let's go to uh, 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1. Verse uh, 16. The Bible said, For we have not followed cunningly devised fables, when we made known unto you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitness, uh, were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory. When there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mountain. Uh, Notice the next verse. We have also a more sure word of a prophecy. Uh, That is the most important thing. Uh, It's not uh, what your eye has saw. But Lord, leave us more sure the word of a prophecy. And he said, Whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place. Let us focus on this thing. Focus on the word that the Lord has given to us. There's nothing more sure than the word of a prophecy given to this hour. He said, As unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day down and the day star arise in your heart. Let's uh, went back a few, uh, go back a few pages. Uh, uh, Hebrew, book of Hebrew, chapter 11, uh, the very familiar scripture. Book of Hebrew, chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. May the Lord bless this word and let's just bow our head and have a prayer. Oh dear Heavenly Father, how we thank you for the beautiful word, Lord. Lord, this is not only just a word, but this is a lifeline to us. Lord, we get a hold of each verse, each letter that you have said. And we believe it with the whole faith with everything that's in, the, in our heart, because we know this is the God speaking to us. Father, we just ask you to take the rest of the service. Let your name be glory. Lord, meet the need of the people. Deliver the people that need to be delivered. Lord, unbind that the people has been bound. Lord, heal the people that's sick. Father, we believe you are the mighty working God, and you still the same yesterday, today, and forever. We thank you, Lord. I ask you in the name Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. And as a Christian, especially as a believer of this message, we know that everything is based on faith. And as the Bible we just read, it said, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, and to the evidence of things not seen. So if you saw that with your eyes, uh, you don't need faith. 
is because you didn't see it with your eyes. You can't、uh, feel anything with your、uh, physical body. That's why the Lord required us to have a faith to believe what He said. And、uh, Brother Branham said in、uh, expectation, and he said、um, symptoms. He said they are lying vanities. Don't receive them. Don't have nothing to do with them. He said, if you look to them, you are looking away from God. He said, we look at unseen, not at what we see. No one could look at what they.、Uh, no one could look at what they see and be a Christian, because whenever you start looking around, you start to get nervous. Because in this world, there's nothing to build up your faith. Everything that's geared up in this world, anything that's invented by the Satan, anything devices by the Satan, is all to weaken your faith. So you might as well just close your eye and believe what God has said. You can't get faith from the news that you heard. You can't get、uh, the、uh, whatever the politics has said.、Uh, there is not no nothing to be tr-、uh, to be trusted with. You cannot just、uh, look at、um, your job and to get a faith. Your job won't give you any security. Today you have it, tomorrow you will lose it. You cannot just by what you did or、uh, you know your family is going along good or this is getting better. Those things is good, but it's not the base of our faith. The faith will only lay down one thing. That's strictly and solely the word of God. If you only look at the symptoms on outside, sometimes the symptoms are getting better. Then your faith is getting increased. That's not the faith. The symptoms is the better, or the symptoms is not better. That shouldn't affect the faith of a believer. Their children, they're wayward or not, not wayward. They're doing good or they're not doing good. They have nothing to do with the faith. Faith doesn't base on my children doing good or not. Faith doesn't base on if your family is getting you know normal, everything's is、uh, going fine, smooth. You know, you come to the, that doesn't base on anything of that. Faith only based on one thing. That is the word of God. That what He has promised. Emotion will give you. Uh, some good excitement, but emotion will not help with your faith. No matter you feel it or not feel it, faith doesn't base on that. No matter you're getting excited or don't getting excited, that's nothing to do with the faith. I hope we can establish it in the beginning of this. Then the brother Bram said, "You got to believe the things that's unseen, for it's by faith are you healed, not by sight or by feeling." He said, "The whole armor of God is by faith. We haven't got one natural thing of this world. Everything of a Christian church is a faith act. The faith's greatest enemy is the symptoms. But you have the choice to look at a symptom or not look at a symptom. If you choose, because you have to make the decision." God can preach the word, but the decision you have to make. You have to make your decision. What are you looking at? Are you looking at the, the, the things that can be can be seen, or you look at the things that is not sin,、uh, is unseen? Because everything that can build up your faith is from the unseen world. 
But when God said us have a faith, it doesn't mean you just based on you just floating in the air. He gave you something more sure word of a prophecy. He said, take heed to that. When you look at that, that will increase your faith. Faith doesn't come uh, if somebody patting on your back say you're doing good. Uh, that will make me uh, feel good. If you said, well, thank you, Lord, uh, Brother Murphy, that, that's a wonderful preaching. Uh, I love it. Uh, <laughs> uh, just be honest. I love it. It just uh, makes me feel good. But my faith doesn't build on that. Because today you might say I preach good. Tomorrow you might be write me off. Today you might be saying I'm a saint. Tomorrow you might be saying I'm a sinner. Today you might be saying I'm a this and that. And tomorrow you don't even know my name. Our faith strictly built on the Word of God. And that's why God sent us a message. That's why He sent us this Word of this hour. So that He was trying to encourage us or urge us take heed to this Word. Because no other word can build up your face. When Jesus come, he didn't ask you, you have this, you have that. Did you do anything for the, for the church? Did you do anything for my people? He said, well, I find faith. Right. That's the only thing he will come back to looking for. What I find faith. But if he already sent word to this hour, he must find somebody have a faith to his word. Amen. We know that... Uh, in this world, we'll have a trials. We'll have difficulties. The things that we're going through, the different things that uh, people uh, maybe seeing the thing, uh, maybe see word that against you or persecute you with the verbal uh, uh, conversations or whatever uh, that that brings us to our way. I think the trials and the difficulty, no matter how big it is, how small it is, trial is a trial to that person. That individual, when they're going through a trial, that's great. There's no comparison between trials. No matter if your loved one died or you just, uh, you just had a hemorrhoid, that is the same trial. I think it's a word. I, <laughs> if I said it wrong, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't, I don't mean anything wrong. But no matter what that it is, to that person who going through that, that is a great trial. You that yourself, you yourself, you get sick one time. You know how that trial it is. You can't walk, you lay on the bed, you're doing this. And you're calling for God. Even just for the small sickness. And that's, that's why we don't compare whose trial is bigger. My trial is bigger, so I need more prayer. My trial is the lesser, so that don't, have, don't bother. Just, just go for some more important things. To God, no matter if it's strong or it's awake, God all can help. No matter if this person just got a fever, or that person going through the deep, deep trial, that even lost the direction and don't know what to do. Trial is a trial. That person going through, that is the biggest trial to that person. But when the person going through trials, Going through difficulties, they must know now to how to. Um, uh, they must know how to deal with that. The way to deal with it is you have to look at the different things. But Brahma said in um, bombing Gilead, he was talking about uh, a story. And that is the young boy that was. Um, uh, they had um, 
bicycle uh, uh, contest that anybody who can ride on the very narrow board for uh, 10 yards or 20 yards or whatever it is, and uh, that boy uh, will win uh, uh, a new uh, bicycle. And uh, all the rest of the boy, they all fall into uh, the water or fall to the ground. But only this one boy, those boys are very skillful. Man, they can do, they can even without a handlebar, they can just go uh, get a grocery for mom. But this boy, and uh, he's uh, more or less, uh, people were thinking like uh, he's a sissy boy. But he's the only one to go to the destiny. And uh, he got to the bicycle. They asked, uh, you know, how'd you, how'd you do that? And he's not a very skillful person. And uh, Brother Bram is talking about that, 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 uh, that little boy said, he said, oh, you made a mistake. He said, because you're all looking down. He said, I didn't look down. He said, I just look at an end. I think that's to show us a lesson. Brother Bram said, he said, I am, he said, I'm watching the end. He said, it's what I'm watching. He said, as I've told you about riding the bicycle, if you are looking here, what's going on now, you will certainly run off the board. But if you just keep your eye on the end and hold steady, just keep watching the end, you won't get so nervous. He said, oh, how's this going to be? How's that going to be? He said, when I come into the meeting sometime and notice my boys, I call them on my group. They come in and say, Brother Brandon, is this one? I said, I just keep watching the cross. That is when we're going through things. You have to have something that is as your destiny. When you're going through the trials, the end of the trial is not your end. Can I say that again? The end of your trial is not your end you're supposed to look at. If you're going through the trial, just pray to the Lord. Lord, please help me going through this. After you're going through that, you're still going to fall. Because your end is wrong. Your end is not just end your trials. There must be something further than that trial, that end of the trial. It's not that you went through some difficulties and said, Lord, help me go through this. Help me go through this. And when you go through that, if that's your end, you will find out that that's your whole face will be laid there. That's it. And the next one to come, you just try to go through trial after trial. Very soon, you become a weary. Very soon, you become a lay down there. You cannot even get it up. You must have an absolute you must have the end of the all end, which is the ultimate end. No matter this trial, that trial, this difficulty, or that difficulty, that is not what I'm looking at. I'm going to all the way to that end. Amen. When you set up the ultimate end, then no matter what happened on this earth, your eyes is not looking at this. You won't get nervous. You won't just look into this and hopefully there's the end of the tunnel. It's not only you going through what happens on this earth and hopefully this will get through that you will make it, a, you will make it escape a better skin of your teeth, a gum or teeth, that's what we, thought, we say. That's not to our end. You must have an ultimate, that's the absolute end, which is the word of God has a promise to you. Amen. When you build your whole face on that end, which is a person of Jesus Christ, no matter how big the wave is, no matter how subtle the devil is, there's nothing is going to conquer you. 
The reason is that there's not, nothing is going to conquer you because you're totally ignoring Him. No matter what He brings it on, sick or not sick, I'm not looking at that. Situation or not situation, I'm not looking at it. I'm not saying your eye don't look at it. I'm not saying your imagination doesn't think about it. I'm not saying your reasoning doesn't reason about it. But something anchored in your heart said, no matter what happened, I believe the word of God. No matter what comes and what goes, my final ultimate end, which is Jesus Christ, that person I received, that new birth that I have. You might with tears crying, uh-huh. but a face will never weaken. You might be the crying the way you saw the things that happened around you. So the family is going wayward. You might crying. Your reasoning might be reasoning out. Your imagination may make you become a, uh, become a sad or whatever. But down in the heart, something anchored there. It has to wash to that end. When you make a decision for the Lord, always expect, it's not that the Lord meets you in the beginning when you make your decision. Most of the time, it's the devil meets you right after you make your decision. But Abraham said, uh, you all know that uh, quote, he said, because thou hast chosen the narrow path, the harder way. He said, thou was walking, you are the walk of your own choosing. He said, thou was picked a correct and pre- precise decision, and it is my way. That because of this momentous decision, a huge portion of heaven awaits thee. It's not just in the beginning, it's by the end. What a glorious decision thou hast made. Because this in itself is that which will give and may come to pass the tremendous victory in love divine. You can be sure when you make a decision based on the word of God, without any compromising, you will find out it's the devil come to uh, tempting you. But if you drive to the end, it's always to the end. That's where the Lord meets you. Sometimes when you make a decision, I was sharing that with the BC students. I remember that uh, uh, many years ago, just as I first came into the message, that's uh, only about two or three years. And uh, at that time, uh, uh, because I was coming from Hong Kong, and um, uh, Hong Kong that time still belongs to the, uh, Britain. And even now, to Hong Kong, you go there, you have the, even a Chinese citizen go there, they have to have a, uh, a special permit to go in there. And after I received that, uh, that time, uh, you know, when I came out from Hong Kong, and um, my wife uh, uh, still holding the Chinese citizenship, and then I applied for her to uh, um, uh, live in Hong Kong there, but then we made a decision, we moved over here. And just after the two years when I received the message, and the Lord the glory to save me, and um, there the government in Hong Kong sent the permit, and uh, said to my wife, uh, said, you're approved, now you can move uh, uh, to Hong Kong. And from the reasoning, all my reasoning was start to saying, go back, go back, go back. You have your house over there, you have your friends over there, you have a business over there, you have everything's over there. There's nothing here. Canada, just everybody live in the igloo. You know, there was a business is not good, economy is not good, everything was just, uh, there's no, why you live over here? 
And it's everything, every reasoning, everything said, going back. And it was, said, well, are you going back? You can still serve the Lord. Yeah. You're going back, you can still uh, translate uh-huh. or ministry or do whatever. So close to Shenzhen in China, just cross the border. You can do a lot of work. But I remember Brother Ed said, when God speaks, yeah. it's always still small voice. And he never change. And he just comes, he doesn't shouting to you like what I'm doing now. He's not screaming to you. Just a still small voice. Something just in the heart. I think I better ask Brother Ed about this. So I called Brother Ed up. I remember clearly in the office. And I was, uh, after the morning prayer, I don't want to, I said, Brother Ed, I said, I need to talk to you. So I related to the situation. He never told me I should go or I should not go. He just said, he said, Brother Murphy, whenever you make a decision, make that decision based on the Word of God. Amen. Let your whole life centered around the Word of God. Amen. He said, Brother Murphy, the Lord has done a great work in your life. He said, you and your wife, glory is saved. He said, you need to establish, stabilize yourself in the word of God. I'll say, thank you, Brother Ed. But that doesn't answer my question. But you see, whenever the pastor says something, I go back to think. I go back and start to pray. Because I approach it. I think I told you many times. I approach the man of God. Just as much as I approach to God Himself. So I go back home. I start to pray. And why not I pray? I was thinking, why He said I need to stabilize myself in the Word? That's all my desire. Then I started thinking, where can I stabilize myself in the Word? I was saved over here. The Word preached over here. And that I have been fed by the Word of God over here. Where can I go to? If I go back to Hong Kong, I maybe have a business, and maybe doing this, maybe doing all kinds of things. But where can I be fed better ministry than what I have right now? And I look at that other paper. They give it to me. I tear that thing apart. And I never look at it back. Then I think about after almost 20 years. And I was looking back and saying, how glorious that is. If you make your decision based on the word of God, it's not for the promotion, it's not for money, it's not for this, not for that, but only based on one thing. Lord, based on your word, based on the word of God, it doesn't based on anything else, only the spiritual benefit for me and for my family. Lord, it doesn't meet you in the beginning, but he will meet you at the end. In the beginning, it's always the devil trying to reason it out, to reason it out. But when I plow through that, but when I do things according to what is the word of God has said to me after 20 years, I saw my wife here, I saw my children was here, and I saw all of you over here. What is the God has done is that when you in the beginning base your whole self in the word of God, and to the end, and no matter how hard that is, God will meet you a hundred times. He's always faithful. But you have to make that decision. He cannot help you to make that decision. But it's that little, still, small voice. And that will make the decision. But there is a way that seems right unto a man. But the Bible said the end thereof 
are the ways of death. Everybody at the end, they have to meet God. Either meet at the great white throne, judgment, or they meet God and sitting in the throne with Him to do the judgment. But one decision that we made, if we base on what is the word of God said, based on the spiritual benefit for our own selves and for our family, no matter how hard you have to go through, no matter how many, how difficult the things you have to go through, the trials you have to run through. But if you base on, Lord, I just want to be fed by you. Yeah. Lord, what I make this decision is only for one purpose, for so strict one purpose, is for the word of God. Devil will throw a lot of temptations, throw a lot of difficulties on your path. But you can be sure at the end, God will always meet you. Right. Then Brother Bramah said in Elijah and the meal offering, he talked about the woman in the feed the, feed the, uh, the prophet. And she had met every requirement. She lived clean. She had lived decent. She lived honorable. And she had met all of God's requirements. But it looked like God still was silent. He said, God does that sometime to test you to see what kind of a reaction that you will have. He said, don't forget it. He said, if you hold back on God, you know your heart condemns you. And we know if our heart condemns or not, condemn us not. Then we have now, but if our heart condemns us, there's no need of coming across the platform. There's no need of asking God for anything because you don't have faith to receive it. But when you have met every requirement that God requires, then faith steps out there and said, God is God, I've met the requirement. He said that then the scripture says, They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with the winds as an eagle. They shall run and not be weary and walk and not be faint. A Christian needs to uh, focus their eyes on the things that is unseen. Only the face can look into the unseen. And when you look at the things that is unseen, you might not saw one Things on the, uh, not a thing on the outside, but God will always meet you at the end. But Abraham said, uh, He said, You may never see a vision, you may never put your hands on the sick person, uh, feel the charge of Almighty God, and make a skeleton of a man turn back to life again. You may never see him standing yonder in three or four rainbows. He said, you may never see his image. He said, you may never hear his voice. But still, you can be a signboard. Amen. Manifest Jesus Christ by a life that's been so pure and unadulterated from the world. Not smutted up with dirty things around your life. But a pure thing that will cause the hungry heart to hunger and thirst to be like him. You don't have to uh, be a miracle performer. You don't have to uh, have a, you might not have a lot of a testimony can share to the people or powerful testimony can share to the people like some people do. 
But brethren, send me, you can live us such a holy life, so pure and unadulterated, that will cause a hunger and thirst of the person. But to be like you, to be like uh, him that which is living in you. What comparison of a soul that when a soul you live a holy and unadulterated life and is saved and one in the in the eternal realm and that your name is associated with that person compared to all the miracles, all the signs, all the healings, all the laying on hands of everything, what can compare with one soul that associated with you the life that you lived before them? But it's a hard thing to look at to the unseen. To look at the things that, that is uh, visible is very easy. Even though the prophet, they have to go through a lot of trials. That when he was uh, went through the darkest hour that he had, he lost his, his wife, he lost his daughter, Sharon. And Reverend said, is your life worthy of the gospel? And he said, when a man's born again, there's a little spot like the size of his fingernail that God injects into his system. He said, and he falls into his heart, and there it anchors. He said, then Satan makes him prove it. That's why I said, whenever the Lord do something, or you make a decision for the Lord, it's always the devil who tries to meet you at first. He said, if that ain't there, you're gone. And then the prophet talking about the one he lost his wife and, and uh, uh, his daughter. He said, I sat there all night long, all day long. I said this to God, Lord, what have I done? Show me, Lord. Don't let an innocent have to suffer for me if I have done wrong. He said, I didn't know he was trying me. But every son that comes to God, they've got to be tried. A lot of time you find out that the Lord will leave you alone. Let you yourself to make that decision when you are in the hardest, hardest trial and the difficulties that you're going through. It's not that the Lord abandon you, but the Lord have the full confidence in the seed that He put it in you. It's not that He tried to just leave you alone, let you do your own thing. Because God, if you are predestinated a seed of God, He put that seed life in you before the foundation of the world. He promised, He said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. No matter where you go, the unfailing presence of God will be always with you. He had the seed life that's in you. He doesn't have a confidence to your flesh. He doesn't have a confidence to your own ability. But He has a perfect confidence to the seed life that you received. And then Brother Bram said, He said, I said, tell me what I've done. I'll make it right. What have I done but to preach all day long and all night long and just give my life constantly? He said, what have I done? Satan said, that's right. You know, many times when God don't speak, mm-hmm. Satan speaks most of the time. I think Satan speaks a lot of words, more, far more uh, sentence than the Lord speaks. Sometimes we just want one word from the Lord. And you find out that Satan speaks to you 24 hours. Even when you're sleeping, he's not uh, tired at all. He don't sleep. Sometime in the morning you wake up, where did I get that dream? What kind of a thought is that? 
and you think about it, you try to forget something, you will never forget. The rock and roll, you listened to 20 years ago. One blink of it, you remember all the verse. Then come back to you just so lifely. Then you're thinking, Lord, did I backslide or what? No, it's not. It's just in the battleground. But it cannot go to your soul realm. That realm is a total reserve for God Himself. But is that a reasoning realm? Is that you see? Now when it comes to you, the devil said, and you told all of them that you believe that he's a great healer. And there lays your baby and they are dying. He refused to even hear you. Have you heard that the devil talk to you? Lord, why, why you heal that person doesn't heal me. Lord, I, did I pray not enough? Lord, why that person's cancer got healed? Why did my loved one died? Lord, why you, uh, you know, with that person, you, you intervene in their situation. But why my situation year after year without any improvement? I read the same message. I believe the same message. I talk the same message. They come to the service Wednesday. I come to the service Wednesday. Sometimes they even miss Wednesday. Lord, why heal them? Reasoning. I come every Sunday morning. Lord, I say amen more louder than anybody else. Why my situation never change? They're just sitting there. Sometimes they fall asleep. And they got Lord heal them. Hello? If you start your reasoning, everything started broken away. That's why the Christian doesn't look on anything on the outside. Whatever, Lord, you do to them, that's up to you, Lord. But me and my house, we will serve the Lord. No matter I see it or I don't see it, but the word of God will never change. Then the devil said, your wife died. With tuberculosis, pneumonia. You said he could heal cancers. And there he is. Now you talk about him being good and how good he is to people. What about you? Then I began to listen to him. He said, that's reasoning. I thought, that's right. And that devil said he could tell. He, he don't have to speak the word. Just look to your baby and he'll live. You may be thinking, why the, the other person get all the attention? Why not me? Why brother had to visit that person all the time? Why not me? Why brother Tom, you pray for that person, you meet that person, you, you, uh, you talk to that, why not me? You're really quiet. <laughs> Said, Lord, is this a fair? Oh, of course, the Lord, you're always fair. But you know, man is man. Man always can make mistakes. Man can do this. Well, we're not believing man. No, I believe man. Because if that man, if he is a man of God, if God lives in that man, I have a perfect confidence to that man. 
because the man and his message, they are one. No matter what he did and no matter what he's not do, it doesn't affect my faith. It's not just as if some people said, oh, we don't have a confidence to the man. I do have a confidence to the man. Because if God chooses to live in that man, that man must have something that worse God to living in that man. And no matter what happened, no matter what says, no matter what is the reasoning try to tell us, whatever that reasoning is, I don't believe the reasoning. I only believe the word of God has said. If people start to reasoning, then everything starts to broken away. Is this okay? He said, as much as you've done for him, yet that's what he done for you. Right. Brother Bram said, that's right. He said, he don't have to speak a word. Just look to your baby and they live. I said, that's right. And I said, that's right. I began to think. Well, see, everything began to break away when it comes to reasoning. But when it comes to that... He said, that hung. It stayed there. I was just about ready to say, then I will quit. How many people, they quit this message just because they have some personal issues. Then it started getting bigger, getting bigger, getting bigger. It's like a tumor. And then, before you know it, that person's gone. Word of a God have no reasoning. When a person is ready to quit, you can see something has happened to them. Would you mind if they put down the slide? In the terminology, they called it a thousand-yard stare. And then those people, they're coming to, uh, it's called a thousand-yard stare or two-thousand-yard stare. It's a phrase often used to describe the blank, unfocused gaze of soldiers who have become emotionally detached from the horror around them. It is also sometimes used more generally to describe the look of disassociation among victims of other types of trauma. And we're talking about, uh, and usually, what does this happen? Uh, there's one uh, journalist in the Second World War. Then he went to one of the conflict, the fighting ground. And he saw those Marines, they just uh, fight, they just uh, came out from the battle. And he described uh, one of the person, uh, this is uh, in the Second World War. He said that the person, he left the States 31 months ago. He was wounded in his first campaign. He has had a tropical disease. He half sleeps at night. 
and the gouge jabs out of a hose all day. Two-thirds of his company has been killed or wounded. He will return to attack this morning. How much can a human being endure? I want you to understand I'm not trying to rebuke you here. I was trying to help you. A person when it goes through trauma, a person when it goes through the wounds of fighting, fighting, and uh, it comes to a point that it just cannot take it anymore. And he's talking about that. Then the people start to getting detached. He said that the look in their eyes, that's in the Wikipedia, you can find it. The look in their eyes was like the life was sucked out of them. He said that later, he learned that the term of their condition was called a thousand yard stare. Then this eternal, uh, then this, uh, this corporal, he said, after I lost my first friend, he said, I feel it was the best just to be detached. It's the people who go through all the trauma and the different things. And then they, they choose, you know what? I better quit. But when they said to quit, they're still second day. They still go to fight. They still wear their uniform. They're still holding their gun. And they still, and they still uh, can pull a trigger. Can do everything just like a soldier do. But there's a no life in there anymore. The whole life seems like a suck out of them. You find out that there's some time in the church, it's the same thing. We're not talking about the people who quit to believe the message. They still believe the message. They still come to the church. But you don't see the spark in their eyes anymore. You saw them just have a thousand yard stare for every service. You don't hear their amen anymore. You don't see them in the fellowship anymore. Oh, they come to the church. What they do? They got so much trauma. They've been fighting too long. They've been struggling too long. The difficulty just become too more difficult. The trial just become too hard to take. The too many things start to happen around them. Then they feel it's better just detach myself. They don't quit believe the message. They're still listening to the tape. They're still reading the message. Once in a while, they maybe say a few words. Oh, that's wonderful service. But down in the heart of the heart, something started changing. You find out they started pulling away. They start, they start to withdraw themselves. They start to murmur. They start to have something that if they don't feel this is right, you see it from their eyes, they just... Have that a thousand yard staring. You don't see the passion in them anymore. Right. Does a believer supposed to be passionate? Yes. You don't see the spark in their eyes. Young people too. They come with their father. They come with their mother. Where's that passion? Where is that enthusiasm? About the word of God. Mm-hmm. 
You actually, you are quitting when you start doing that. People can be a good student, can be a good Christian, can be a good believer, and come to the church and say an amen at the right time, at the right moment. They become a professional believer. But you just don't see the passion anymore. You just don't see the zeal anymore. The fervency. But you know God is never defeated. No matter what things that you're going through. Before you're going through anything. He put something in your heart. No devil can rob that off of you. No situation can grab that out of you. Because he ordained a perfect spotless bride in this last age. And the brother Bremer said, I was just about to say, I'll quit. He said, but when you go down till all the reasoning powers has broken away. He said, then it come to that eternal life, that new birth. He said, what if it hadn't have been there? What if it hadn't have been? He said, we wouldn't have no one another the way we do now. He said, that church would have not been here like this. He said, a thousand of a million around the world. But thank God it was still there. Then I thought, what? Who am I? Anyhow, who am I to question this majesty? Who am I to question the creator that gave me my very life here on earth? Where did I get that baby? Who gave it to me? Not mine anyhow. He just loaned her to me for a while. I said, Satan, get away from me. I went over, laid my hands on the baby. I said, God bless you, sweetheart. In the minute that it will take you down, put you on mommy's arm. The angel will pack your little soul away and I will meet you in that morning. I said, Lord, you give her to me, you take her away. Though you slay me, like Job said, yet I love you and I believe you. If you send me to hell, I will still love you anyhow. Why? I can't get away from that. Everybody go through trials. Everybody go through their damn time. Everybody go through a time when a reason to kick in. You might even want to say, I want to quit. But it's not you quit or not. There's a something that lives in you. And he will never let you go. He will not let you go. He said, if it's just intellectual, he said, it all broke away. But you've got to have a personal relationship. He said, you've got to be born again. Then Mr. Eisler, driving his old truck, jumped out and put his arm around me. He said, I've heard you preach on the street corner, Billy. I've seen you standing in the tabernacle. I've heard you at a hymn singing how you exalted Christ, what you said he was. Now he has taken your father, your brother, your wife, your baby, 
Now, what does he mean to you? I said to Mr. Eisler, if he would send me to the region of the lost, I'd still love him. You know, that's why I appreciate this prophet. That's why I appreciated this message. It's not a whole bunch of doctrine. It's not a whole bunch of writing, a whole bunch of noise, a whole bunch of voice, eloquent speech. It's this type of experience. That is through the message what I believe. I believe every believer will, should have, or already have this type of experience in their life. No man can take you away from the word. No anybody's fault can take you away from the word. No anybody's argument can take you away from the word. No trials, no difficulty. No matter how hard you have to pull through that, nothing is going to pull us out of this message. Why? It's not because we believe a certain doctrine. It's not because we follow a certain ministry. It's something happened down in the deep of our heart. Brother Vanderbilt said, because one day down yonder in the old coal shed, something happened down here in my heart that there's nothing can rub it out. He said, it was God, it was God's eternal grace that held me in an hour of a great decision. You saw that soldier with a thousand yard stare. But he's still a soldier. You might be going through some rough time. You might be lost the fervency. You lost the spark. Because you made so many mistakes. And you tried it too many times. Young people. You probably tried a lot of times. And maybe you tried it the last time. The devil speak to you. Why don't you just give it up? Yeah. I would say you can try, but you will never give it up. Amen. If you are the son and daughter of a God, something living in that person, no matter what happens, no matter what goes, what comes, just something in there holding them. What is that? That's the eternal grace of a God. We see that the soldier has a thousand yard staring. But you know there's another type of staring. I believe that's the prophet. He's looking into the realm that a normal people has haven't got a chance to even look into that. Amen. But after he looked into that, he come out of it. And he doesn't tell us something that is a virtue, something that is a... Oh, and that is not a, something that is imaginary, but it's a, something that's a turn, is a reality. When he was a saying to us, he was a look at something from another realm, and he made, he literally make the unseen world become visible. Amen. That's why in the beginning I said when God required us to have a face to believe on Him. He cannot require us to have a face to believe on something that's just, oh, 
just an Im- imaginary. He cannot just let us uh, build our faith on something when we call this, uh, if you can understand me, just invisible. God will make the invisible or unseen become a sin, become a visible. Then He requires you build your faith upon that. Brother Brahma said to look at unseen. He said, I see a little person that's standing near his impression of or his wanting to be prayed for. It's somebody else you want to be prayed for. That's a girl, a little girl. You're not from this country. He said, you're near a big lake. You're from a city that's near the great city. That's got a big, uh, it's a Buffalo, New York. He said, you're near Buffalo, New York. You have a high blood pressure. That's what's wrong with you. But you're praying for this child. You believe me to be his servant. He said, you are Mr. Holden. That's your name. He said, return back and receive that you have asked for. I have three, four pages of that. I won't have time to read it to you. But what is it? Is that invisible become a visible? He said, do you believe Jesus Christ lives? What is it? He said, the unseen become visible. What is that? The same Jesus, the same fruit, the same science, the same thing that he did. Then he said in in another message, he said, uh, it is the unseen God dwelling in the human heart, making himself visible by vindicating his word that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What is the unseen God become seen when he vindicated what is the word said? That is the unseen God become visible. When he become visible, you have no excuse and don't put your face upon the visible God. Because it's not just looking into the unseen, but it's the unseen God becoming visible and approachable and tangible right in front of us. That's why we have a face toward that. It's not some fake face. It's not something that's uh, coming from a nothing. It's not something just virtue, just, uh, you know, uh, pump you up. It's something that is a reality. It's that God become visible right in front of us. Then he said, have faith on me. If he come, will he find faith? Of course he will find faith. Because when he come, he's already come. He vindicated himself through the word before you. That is his coming. When he come, that is a vindication will give you that faith. Of course he will find faith. Because he manifests himself. How can believers don't have faith on him? If you don't see them, you have an excuse. But now you see them, there's no excuse. And the mighty God unveiled before us. He said that we find the word amorphi in Greek, which means that the unseen was made visible. He said it's something that cannot, we know it's there. It cannot be seen, but yet we know that it is there. And when he changes the form of the amorphi, which means he changed from supernatural to natural. Amen. Amen. 
When that supernatural God cannot be comprehended by the natural being, but that supernatural God become a natural and in the natural, but He do the supernatural. And then in the natural man, because you have a supernatural seed in you, you can recognize that supernatural in the natural. If we recognize the supernatural in the prophet, I would uh, encourage you, and I believe that natural man that is sitting here, you will recognize the supernatural God that in this natural man. That I will recognize that supernatural God in this natural man, in this natural sister. That's why no man can stumble me. That's why no man can stumble you. We're different materials, my brothers and my sister. We're unstumpable. Because your face built on the word of God. Your face is built on the supernatural God in the natural man. Let a musician come. Then the Bible said, we have also a more sure word of a prophecy. Word unto ye do well, that ye take heed. As unto a light that shineth in a dark place. Have you been in the darkness? Have you been in a dark place? You may be getting into the dark place so dark, you can't see nothing else. But he said that the word of prophecy is like a light that shines in a dark place. Do you realize that God doesn't teach you how to cooperate or work with in the dark place? Maybe I didn't say that the right English. God doesn't want us just to learn how to cope with in the darkness. God doesn't want us to let you wallowing in your trials, in your difficulty, in your darkness, in your dark place. Just learn how to behave yourself, how to tolerate, how to be patient, right. how to have a successful life. Right. That's not what God do. No. He brings light. Amen. Maybe the light is just a little flicking light. Amen. But no matter how dark in that place is, as soon as the light is coming forth, your whole eye is focused on that light. When no light, you're only probing yourself in the darkness. But God doesn't say that this is, I just make your trial, let it come to an end. God in your trials, He brings the revelation in that darkness. And then your whole focus is on the light. Your focus is not on the darkness anymore. Though you live in that dark place, but your eyes is taking heed on that little flickering light. Until day dawn. Your day dawn is coming. But before the day dawn, He gave you a little flicking light. He said, take heed to that light. I know it's dark. I know it's very dark. I know what you're going through. I know the things that you went through. Probably you cannot even utter to anybody else. But I send that little light that in your dark place. Take heed. To thy light. The unseen 
become visible. So that it take heed to that visible God. Our faith is only built on that. But nothing else. Shall we stand? You might have something that in your life you cannot share with anybody else. But it doesn't matter how you want to share with anybody else. Probably not everybody wants to listen to that. Just to be honest with you. But do you know there's a caring God? How He carries you? He speaks the word of God to you. There's no comforter than this comforter, what we believed. Rest your whole self on the word of a God, on the promise of the Lord. He chooses you. He reveals himself to you. Is there anything more that you need? Nothing more that we need anything. This is the only thing I need. Lord, just sometimes speaking personally to me. Just to speak even one word, just two words, just whatever, Lord, just speak something to me. I don't need a comforter, Lord. I don't need a comforter. I just need a Lord, speak something to me. If that's your heart, as you bow your head, have you gone through too much? Have you been wounded too much? Have been fighting too long that you start just having that uh, thousand yard of staring. That spark, that fervency, it started diminishing. You know the Lord doesn't rebuke you, but you know the Lord, He said, Take heed, take heed to that little flicking light that in the darkest of place. You're still my son. You're still my daughter. You're still a soldier. You still have your uniform on. You still have the weapon that God gave it to you. Your face of a prayer that is in your heart. You still can reach Him. You still can approach Him. You still can talk to Him and He still can talk back to you. He's still the same yesterday, today and forever. Let's pray. Oh, our dear Heavenly Father. How I love you. How I love you, Lord. Lord, when we man come to an end, Lord, that's the beginning of God. Lord, when we come to an end, we don't know where to turn. We don't know what to do. But we saw the tender hand of Jehovah is still leading us. Lord, I don't know the situation. You know me, Lord. Lord, I don't know who's going through what. But Lord, are you still the mighty working God? You still the miracle working God. Lord, you still can speak to the heart that has been cold. Lord, you still can speak to the person. Lord, the person might be wounded. Or the person might be in a dark place. They might be withdrawing themselves. They might be pulled back. Lord, they might be only say a few words and maybe can quote the message. But Lord, they cannot live alive. Oh, Jesus, would you come on the scene tonight, Lord? Lord, deal with the heart of the people. Lord, deal with the heart of the people from the youngest to the oldest. 
no matter who they are, no matter how long they be in the message, no matter what situation that you are in, but Lord, you still can be touched by our infirmity. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Lord, I commit this congregation into your hands. Let a great Jehovah coming down to speak to each individual. As we end of the service, as each person, they have to go back home to start their work. Lord, may the presence of a God follow them. Lord, not just follow, but linger, linger, linger. Lord, when they're in the car, may the presence of a God linger there. When they put their head into the pillow, may the presence of a God linger there. When tomorrow, even morning, when they woke up, may the presence of a God still have the warmness that's lingered around them. Oh, Lord, do something special to us. Do something special to myself, Lord. My heart is a yearning to have a closer walk with the Lord. That's why we dedicate ourselves. We give our whole being to you, Lord. Just put it in our hands and work amongst us, Lord. We give you thanks, give you honor, give you all the glory. Give you all the glory. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. Can we sing that song? Uh, face of the wind. Put your face into the wind. Yes. Yeah.
out of your prayers. You don't have to struggle. Just set your wind in the winds of faith. You'll find out you'll rise above all the things that has to try to uh, bother you. You'll rise up to all the things that have to try to drag you down. Faith is not something that's difficult. Faith is not something that is complicated. Just simply attach yourself to what is the promise God has said. May the Lord bless you. I know you are all egoless, but sometimes you just need to flap your wings a little bit. Maybe your eyes start to losing the sparkle. Maybe your eyes start to losing, you start to staring away. But do you know that they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength like an eagle? May the Lord bless you, all the eagles. No matter you're a white eagle or a black eagle or a yellow eagle, you're all eagles. Let the eagle shake hands with another. May the Lord bless you. We'll see you, Lord willing, on Sunday.